Morning, church. Psalm 100 is our text this morning. It was the call to worship. It was read in the message. I'd like to read it in the New International Version now. Uh, although, I have to confess, the message translation was, was quite a bit funner. Is funner a word? It was funner. Psalm 100. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Now, here's the thing about reading scriptures. Uh, we can't monotone it, right? I mean, in our own minds, we tend to monotone it. This is, this is a loud praise. This is a loud shout, right? So it's shout to the Lord. <laughs> shout to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good, and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Be to God the reading of God's holy word. Amen. Bring you greetings from the church in Tanzania. Habare uh, is an appropriate response. And uh, that, that means good morning. Been there for the last 12 days on a uh, fabulous whirlwind tour. Uh, both Alfredo and I received uh, scholarships from the PCUSA to be trained as uh, speaker trainers to go to undeserved portions or underserved portions of the world. So we're thankful to be able to be a part of that. And I just simply bring you greetings from them uh, where I was the last two Sundays. And I have to say, coming home here again, I've missed you. You know, just hearing, hearing our worship team up front, we are so blessed. And watching Garrett and Mindy, you know, Promotion Sunday, Vacation Bible School, interns, uh, Alfredo, we're blessed. We're blessed. We're blessed. And you know what? More than being blessed, I'm grateful. Are you grateful? This text, Psalm 100, is, is a text that just oozes gratitude. This is a text that you can't help but read and have a smile start in your heart and make its way up through your esophagus into your facial muscles in such a way that they contract and you smile. Sometimes it's hard to smile in a very suspicious and dark world. This psalm is fabulous because it just it starts very deep in places where words cannot be found and it ushers forth gratitude. Thank you, God, for the fact that you are God. Your love endures forever. Amen? Amen. All right, good. Uh, I've spent a lot of time the last couple of weeks going through passport controls, right? You know the drill? In fact, I went through passport controls a couple times, and it just didn't make sense. So I'd go through immigration, customs, passport controls, and on the way home, I, I, I had already gone through two or three of these, and I got to a set of stairs that I had to walk up, about 20 sets of stairs. At, yeah, 20, 20 stairs. At the bottom, there was a table, passport control, and I'm thinking, wait, didn't I just do this four times? Well, this is Africa. 
So I walk up to the table. They take a look at my passport. Yep, you're good. They give me my passport. I walk up the 20 steps, and I'm not making this up. What do you think is at the top of those 20 steps? Passport control. And I'm thinking to myself, what trouble can I get in between there and right there? And so there's so many of those kinds of things uh, that just actually made me laugh. It dawned on me as I was showing my papers over and over to prove who I was. Is that really what it means to prove who you are? To show a driver's license or a passport? Maybe there was something a little bit more than that. It dawned on me that maybe it would be fun to figure out who I am or whose I am or even more importantly, who do I most identify with in the universe? Now that's a good question. It's an identity question. And it transcends the name, my name, on an official document. How do I prove who I am besides my passport that just tells my name? Jesus talked a lot about this to his friends. About how we ought identify ourselves. He said it wouldn't be about what we believed. He said it wouldn't be about what we did for a living, although these are all important. He said it wouldn't be about all the good that we would hope to do someday. No, it wasn't anything about that. He said we would identify ourselves simply by how we loved people. It's tempting to think that it's more than this, or that there's more to it than loving people. But there really isn't anything more than that when you read the scriptures. Love isn't something that we fall into. Love is something that Christian people of faith in Jesus Christ become. One of the books that I read while I was gone, written by Bob Goff, Everybody Always, which is a great summer read, by the way, I highly recommend it, says this, God's idea isn't that we would just give and receive love like a transaction, but that we could actually become love. You ever thought about that? How do I become love? How do I make love more than a transaction or a name on my passport? I've been thinking quite a bit about this. I've been noticing the things that I do when I come across a person who's kind of coming after me and making me feel a little bit uncomfortable. I don't know if that ever happens to you. It does to me upon occasion. What usually happens is Here's what I do. I usually put up barriers to protect myself. You ever do that? Ooh. There's nothing really wrong with self-preservation. And when I put up those barriers, it's usually because I'm beginning to feel some kind of fear. I'm, I'm afraid. I, and if it gets too bad, I might even start to use big words to make myself feel even a little more safe and a little bit more secure. 
right? I mean, I just notice myself. I, I notice what I'm doing. I'm just trying to protect myself so that I can feel a little more safe. And there's nothing wrong with any of this, except I don't see Jesus ever doing that. Sorry about that. Because Jesus shows us what it means to become love when people are coming at him all the time. He shows us what it means to become love when he ate dinner with the man who would betray him. He shows us what it means to become love by willingly dying a criminal death. That, to me, is becoming love. No barriers. No protections. No cages. And yet, when we put up those barriers, we tend to burn down other people's ideas or way of life that doesn't make us right as much as it makes us arsonists. Those who are in the process of becoming love don't throw people off of the roof or children behind chain-link fences in a holding facility. People who are becoming love lower people through the roof instead to come to the very feet of Jesus the Christ. Right? So as a result of thinking about this, I've been trying to practice some things. And it's, it's tough. I've been trying to become love to difficult people. It's not easy. Uh, like, like the other day, uh, when I came back, I went to go pick up a pair of glasses. I got new glasses. These are kind of cool, right? I can see they got cool new technology. You know, there's just stuff that's happening here. Um, the thing that's not cool about it is I've been waiting for these glasses for like three months. And I went to go pick up the glasses, and I, I talked with the gal at the, uh, at the eye doctor place where you pick up your glasses. <laughs> Not really with it yet, I'm just going to be honest. And I, I wasn't really frustrated, I mean, it's, she, it's out of her hands, right? She said, thank you, thank you so much for your patience, and this is where I just, I, I was quiet, I, I practiced not being an arsonist, because I kind of wanted to be, but what good would it do? Everybody was doing the best that they can. They just got here late. And I, and I said as lovingly and soft-spokenly as I could, I, I just looked at her and I said, you know, it's no big deal. Patience is a virtue. And she said, Pastor, I want to go to your church. <laughs> becoming love. That's becoming love. The other thing I've really been trying to practice is being grateful. How to, how to, really, be, how to really be grateful. Now, i got a lot of work to do on this one because I'm, I'm kind of the idealist down the road. Here's where we are. Here's where we should be. That's a pretty big gap. <laughs> you know? So gratitude is a really hard deal for me. It's, it's the way my brain's wired. It's, it's just so many different things. But I, I honestly have to tell you, I have been working and practicing and praying about 
being grateful. Because if the goal is to become love to everyone, especially the ones who make us afraid, I need to be grateful for all that God has given me. I started doing this in Africa as well. Uh, It's kind of fun when you first go out of the country to a different place, and everything is new and different, right? It's kind of fun for the first three or four days, and then you hit a wall, uh, and it's no longer is it any fun to brush your teeth, not making sure you don't use the tap water because that's your initial thing. You have to have your bottled water with you, right? And those are just the small moments. It's it's uh, trying to open up those Nescafe bags, which I swear to you, they're Gorilla Glued shut. <laughs> you know, I mean, they use Gorilla Glue on this stuff. So you're really pumped up for a cup of coffee, and you can't open this thing. I'm finding my room key, and I'm trying to open it. And, and Nescafe, when the first couple of days, it's, okay, I'm in Africa now. This is great. But after four or five days, I just want my Keurig, man. And not only is it drinking Nescafe with uh, sugar cane and goat's milk. It's the move from Nescafe and sugar cane and goat's milk, which is kind of fun for the first never. Um, <laughs> so, you know, you, you kind of come home, you, know, you just want milk in your Keurig coffee. Now, this is a little bit banal, I know, But it's gratitude. I'm grateful. I've been working on gratitude. i got a long way to go. Pray for me. Please. So our logic this morning goes something like this. We're called to become love. Becoming love requires gratitude. For all the songs that we sang, the lyrics, how big God is, How amazing it is to enter into this landscape called God's universe, where all people are created in the image of God. That's becoming love, so that becoming love leads us to gratitude, so that gratitude leads us to generosity, so that generosity means that there is plenty to share. Well, that's a tall order, but in order to be grateful, because we want to become love, in order that there's plenty to share, we've got to overcome five myths, five gratitude myths. And I hope to go through these fairly quickly. Myth number one. You ready for it? It's in the back of your worship folder. You see, there's a myth out there, and this is a myth, that says gratitude leads to complacency. You know, if I'm just grateful for everything, that means I'll never get involved in anything. That's a myth. Studies show that the exact opposite is true. Grateful people drives a sense of purpose and desire for constructive change. In other words, gratitude lends itself to being invested as a change maker or a reformer. In other words, if no one ever changes their minds, then nothing good can ever be. Be reformed. Gratitude is a gateway for reformation because of the goodness of the reality of a God who is good. 
Deep gratitude leads to deep reform. Myth number two. Myth number two goes something like this. Gratitude is just a naive form of positive mental attitude. You see, this myth suggests that it's a shallow person who dismisses the struggle around themselves and buries their head in the sand. Pollyanna-ish. However, gratitude is actually very different than naivete because gratitude recognizes the need for one another. Gratitude recognizes the need for all of us because in all of us, we accomplish more than one of us. Because that's the way God is. It's the way the nature of the Trinity is. Three persons functioning as one essence. Hundred people functioning as one unified group. Gratitude connects people in struggle and it binds us together so that together we accomplish more than when we're just flying our own individualist flag over the top of our head. So this is myth number two. It's not just a positive or naive form of positive thinking. It actually connects us more faithfully, gratitude does, with one another. Thanks be to God. Myth three. Myth number three. Gratitude makes us self-effacing. Self-effacing. This myth says that we forget about the significant role that the individual actually plays in making a change or reformation. But in reality, with gratitude, deep gratitude, the opposite is actually true. Grateful people give credit to others and they're able to recognize the role that they played in themselves because that's the nature of the health of the body. When the body's healthy, everyone recognizes the role of everyone else and says, thank you, God. And it's gratitude that drives this phenomenon. Myth number four. Gratitude is not possible in the face of suffering. This is interesting. In other words, when you're going through it, it's not possible to be grateful. The science of this shows that it's exactly the opposite. In the midst of suffering, gratitude is vital. Gratitude helps us see the big picture and not feel overwhelmed by the tyranny of the urgent in distress. The sovereignty of God is always much bigger than the tragedy of the moment. Not to diminish the tragedy of the moment, but the sovereignty of God is still transcendent of that moment. Which motivates us to tackle those big challenges. A recent study asked participants to recall an unpleasant memory that they still found upsetting in their own mind. Then they were chosen randomly to complete one of three different just writing exercises. 
one of the writing exercises was to look at that experience and focus on positive aspects of that upsetting experience and consider how it might make them feel grateful. The one of the three groups, the gratitude group, reported feeling more closure and less unhappiness than the participants who did not write about their experience from their grateful perspective. However, the grateful writers, they were not asked to deny, to minimize, or to ignore the negative emotions in their memory. They were just asked to consider the grateful elements that could come from that unsavory memory. The science of gratitude literally rewrites the firings of the chemicals in the brain and attaches them to one another in a more resilient way. Isn't this fascinating? I think science tells us quite a bit about spiritual discipleship and transformation. And it's a fascinating way to bring together science and discipleship development. In other words, the negative memory can be rewritten in their brain, giving them a more grateful posture through the ordeal. And it's the Holy Spirit of God that refires those chemical connections. What? So we can, this is a myth, we can be grateful even in the midst of when we're going through it. We will be more resilient because God will rewrite it, sanctify the pain of the past, and establish us for a better future. I can tell you as a son of a father who was pretty hardcore on his three boys, I've experienced this exact phenomenon in my own life. And I can tell you without going into all the details that as a father with three daughters, we've experienced the same thing in our own family life. And I've discovered being a father is usually about maybe 5 to 10% of the time being actually right. Maybe less. If you, if you ask the kids, it would be a lot less than that. And the rest of the time, recovering and apologizing and picking up our feet and saying, I'm sorry, I love you, let's do this again. And the science of gratitude is true. Because it rewrites the painful power of the past and gives us a hopeful future even when we're going through it. Last myth, probably the easiest, goes like this. Uh, you know what? You have to be religious to be grateful. Does anybody here believe that? Now, um, what it says is you have to be religious to be grateful. There's so much evidence. This is easy to bust. Uh, there's a lot of philanthropy out there with people that aren't religious that are doing amazingly phenomenal things, right? What this does mean, I think, is that all the more motivation for Christian people as we seek to become love, because when we become love, there's room for gratitude. When there's room for gratitude, there's room for generosity, and when there's room for generosity, there's 
there's always plenty to share. We should be leading the way with gratitude, with generosity, with plenty to share. It's the science of discipleship. Okay. Do you want to become love? Anybody? Anybody want to become love? That's cool. I do too. Let's start with gratitude. Let's, let's just start with gratitude. Uh, any journalers out there, people that journal in notebooks and things like this? Not like journalists for the LA Times or, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but if you're a journaler, and even if you're not a journaler, just commit over the course of this week to just to spend a few moments every day writing down what you are grateful for. And here's all I want you to do is notice, just notice, does your heart and soul begin to soften and change? Would you do that? That would be a really interesting discipleship experience. Spend a few minutes each day, at least for a week, and just pull out a sheet of paper and just start jotting down. I'm grateful for, and just fill in the blank. And notice whether your mind, heart, and soul begins to change. Because I have a hunch, by the end of this experience, we'll be able to join in with the psalmist and shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who has made us. And we are his. We are his people. The sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates. And his courts with praise. That's the center aisle, by the way. And give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good. His love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. I can't muster gratitude on my own. I'd like to think I could try. After all, I'm an American. We're entrepreneurial. We're go-getters. We get her done. But the reality is, the Spirit of God has to work in our heart, in our mind, in our soul to take us from a hermeneutic of suspicion to a life of gratitude. And perhaps that's the first move in becoming love. I prayed into my life first. May it catch fire in the life of my friends in this room. Because when we're grateful, we're generous. And when we're generous, we've got all that we need. There is plenty to share to accomplish your ministry and mission in and through the folks in this room, in this neighborhood and church. May it be so. Holy Spirit, come and do it. God be glorified in your name.